0: Rainy, dreary night in Philadelphia on Saturday and much of the same inside the arena. And watching it back here at the PHLY studios as the Sixers fall to the visiting Jazz 120-109. Hello, welcome to the PHLY Sixers postgame show alongside Derek Bodner. I'm Devon Givens, Bree producing As always, Kyle Newbeck will join from the arena. We thank you for checking in with us. Derek's second consecutive loss in the back-to-back nights. New York Knicks on Friday, Utah Jazz Tonight you were at the arena. <laughs> as you can see. And um, back here in the studio watching. And I, I think we both felt the same as 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 we watched the second half together, as we watched this one continue to play out. Three starters out Melton, Harris, and Embiid. And this one, pretty much surprising that they were in it close early, uh, but the Jazz put their foot on the gas a little bit late. Took the game.
1: Yeah. And look, the only reason the Sixers were in this game for as long as they were, and they were down, what, one at halftime, I think. The only reason for that was because the Jazz were turning the ball over pretty much every chance they got. A lot of them seemed like they were unforced or at least marginally forced. Uh, and that really gave the Sixers life. Um, Sixers didn't necessarily capitalize on that all that much. They missed a lot of shots. Those long shots led to long rebounds, and then the Jazz pushed it down the Sixers throat. But the Sixers transition defense was bad. I thought their interior defense was bad. They obviously couldn't shoot. They're missing 60% of their starting lineup. The one starter they did have available, or not, the, the one primary scorer they did have available, I thought struggled for mo- most of the night. It was a tough one. And on the one hand, yes, the Sixers played on a back-to-back. On the other hand, so did the Utah Jazz, who were in Boston last night. Obviously, the equation changes significantly when you find out that Joel Embiid is going to be a late scratch. The Sixers didn't look, and with Tobias out as well, uh, the Sixers just didn't have very many offensive engines to get them through the finish line. They needed a monster, monster night from Tyrese Maxey. And for him to go one of eight from three point range, a couple of uncharacteristic turnovers, they just didn't get anywhere near a, a good Maxey night. And on a night when they needed him to be basically perfect, he was far from it.
0: Yeah. 25, which led the team in scoring tonight. A lot of that late uh, against the Jazz, yeah. where some of their defense was a little bit, they backed off a bit, had double-digit lead, yes, the Sixers uh, got it, made it interesting there down the stretch, but the Sixers really couldn't capitalize with the few opportunities that they did have to cut the lead from double digits back into single digits, Maxi picking up some of those points. For the most part, Kelly Oubre led the team in scoring, he finished with 24, Maxi 25 again to pace them tonight, but he just wasn't good. Time to panic? No, not for me. And I know we're going to have a lot because before we got started, you could see some of the people waiting in the chat discussing how Maxi uh, needed to step up. And I'll be perfectly honest with you, I wanted to see a much better Maxi game also in this one with him beat out against a team that was also on a travel night, second night of a back to back, coming in here after getting rocked by a big number in Boston. And, al- and
1: also a team that, quite frankly, is just not very good.
0: Not, not very good. And But they put together a pretty good defensive scheme. He didn't necessarily react to it all that well, and they took advantage of that by taking their one really good score, as Derek mentioned, Kelly Oubre, the other. He did have it going. Got some help from some others in the starting role. Paul Reed, Pat Beverly off the bench, played pretty well in terms of offense there tonight, Uh, but it just wasn't enough, and I, too, did want to see Maxie score a little bit more than he did tonight, finishing with a more efficient 25 that kept them in the game early or even midway through the game and late to allow someone like maybe Kelly Oubre to take them and push them over the top. Some others with some baskets because as Derek talked about, the Utah Jazz turned the ball over a lot early on. They finished with 24 turnovers. The Sixers only coughed the ball up six times, protecting the basketball, but they did not make shots. They were 42 for 104 for 40%, where the Jazz shot 57%. On 24 less shots, 46 for 80 from the field, and their efficiency and their ability, Derek. I know we're going to get here. I'm not trying to step on your toes here. Of getting to the paint yeah. whenever they want it, with no Joel Embiid behind them to help clean up things. That's a big part of how things played out tonight.
1: You really just don't. When you when you said that number, it made me laugh. You just don't see teams get 104 shots up at the rim. But when the other team has 23 turnovers and you have 15 offensive rebounds and you take care of the ball yourself, that is going to happen. Uh, I looked it up. The Sixers had one other game where they had that many field goal attempts. That was one of the Pacers games and the Pacers play at a breakneck speed. Yep. The next highest was 98. So they got a lot of shots up at the rim. They just couldn't shoot. And look, offensively, I don't think I'm too annoyed by this game, even by Maxie. And I think Maxie, you know, the Jazz came out and, and first, Chris Dunn was, you know, denying him, top-locking him pretty aggressively. That's who he is. On the perimeter. That's who he is, and that's what the Jazz need to do to win this game. Yep. And then they came out, and they played a box and one, and they threw a bunch of different looks at him, basically a, a whole bunch of different ways to try to, um, you know, keep the ball out of his hands. Uh, and I thought there was maybe a little bit too much Patrick Beverly, Tyrese Maxey lineups where Bev mm. was bringing the ball up and it was making that even tougher. I, I get it because Beverly was one of the guys who really had some juice tonight, so you want to try to get as much as you could out of him. But... um you know, offensively, for the most part, I don't have too many major complaints. They just, I mean, they were starting Nick Batum and Paul Reed and, you know, Mark Marcus
0: the, Morris. You're just, yeah.
1: you're not, you don't have your expectations all that high. Yeah. Um, especially like Marcus Morris. I know he made a couple of shots late. He was struggling for most of the night from the perimeter as well. He got good looks. There. He did. And towards the end of the night, he started making them, but through three and a half quarters, I think he was like two for eight from the field. You just didn't have enough players who could competently put the ball in the basket. And Maxi, some of those threes I thought were decent looks. Some of them even like were came down and went out. Like he, I thought, some of them were, were were quality looks that just didn't go in. That's going to happen. It was really defensively that I think I got frustrated with yeah. this game. Uh, like I said, the transition defense was the one that jumped out, and I feel like when this team is going bad, that is something that jumps out pretty frequently. Um, and Paul Reed and Mo Obama were just lost for most of the night trying to protect the rim. I've never seen a layup line like that. Um, especially for a a team that isn't necessarily known as, or at least doesn't have that elite kind of off-the-bounce playmaker that would typically lead to a a, a game like this, the Sixers had no prayer to protect the paint. No prayer.
0: So we'll get to the the points in the paint and the fast break points because that's the conversation in and of itself. But just to follow up my maxi point, as Derek talked about it, I did want to see him play a little bit better tonight. Yes, they threw a lot of junky defenses at him to make himself adjust and figure out how to get through it and still be effective. And we've seen it in times where he has not scored because the defense was that way, but he also picked up a lot of assists by making sure he passed the basketball to make sure that he contributed to help his teammates finish the play to get the points on the board. Tonight, he was without three of his teammates in the starting lineup. It's a little tough for them to do that making shots, open shots, because they are just not as talented as the other three that we're talking about, one in which is a reigning MVP. So I'm saying I wanted it a little bit more, but it doesn't doesn't have me taking a giant step to overreact for him not doing something tonight that I wanted to see. He did try to get them in it late. He did have a few opportunities early on, whereas Derek talked about they just rattled in and out. I thought a few of the shots, I felt like he was... Uh, foul hunting a little bit Mm -hmm. Uh, a little bit of James Harden there and looking at the official he's been doing this for the last couple of games I've just been monitoring it and writing in my notes each game to see how many times I've done he's been doing it a little bit and with his reputation especially being one in which we talk about him as a potential first-time all-star still see him in that mix a little bit there about six guards he's one of them that are gonna be fighting for a roster spot there next month that said He needs to just, again, continue to try to make that shot first and worry about the foul later. And sure, talk to the official, put it in their head to make sure that they are well aware that he got fouled. Nick Nurse is also going to do the same thing. But I am not, by any means, overreacting to this performance from Tyrese Maxey. I do hold guys to a high standard, just like many of you do. The same with Derek, Bree, Kyle. We all do. And tonight, even on the second night of a back-to-back, I felt like I would see something a little bit different, but it doesn't have me panicking and 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 going all over the place about Tyrese Maxey. He's going to be fine. They have two games next week. They have three days off where he's going to go out against the Atlanta Hawks and probably drop 27 to 30 points against that defense because they're going to hunt and have Trey Young find their way onto him. And I'm guessing that he'll have some of his starting teammates back as well. So not to panic. Bad performance tonight, finishing with 25 to lead the team. It could have been a better performance with the 25 overall. To the fast break points, the Sixers actually led in transition fast break points 25 to 19, but it didn't feel that way.
1: No, and the one thing I'll say, like when I say transition, I don't just, because there's a pretty strict and narrow definition of what qualifies as a transition point in the NBA. Yes. A lot of it will be early offense when like, you know, the Jazz are pushing the ball down the court, and maybe you don't get matched up on the correct matchups because you're slow to get back. There's cross matches that that they can then exploit. It might not fall within that you know first eight seconds or whatever it is in transition, but it will then fall within a second or two after that because, like I said, you're just not matched up. You don't have the defensive assignments you want because you were late getting back.
0: Yes, and that's why I was going to go with you, that these can lie a little bit yeah. for how you look at them, 25 to 19. Didn't feel like that way as we watched it, and we also know that it wasn't that way because... Things get slow down a little bit, a couple of seconds, take a step back, and then boom, kick the ball ahead. And next thing you know, they're still basically in some sort of secondary break, which we, of course, call transition. So that, that's just how it goes. And it was tough. It was tough, and it was, it was just a, a, a bad defensive night for them. They seemed as things, as they were backpedaling and getting themselves back, but still being scored on, it just looked like, as Derek said, when you see things happen on the floor and you, you you, as Sixer fans out there and watchers of the team, you recognize tendencies just as much as we do. You see the same things that we do out there on the floor each and every night. You can see sometimes where you get a little, and we talked about it last night, a little dejected when things are going the other way against you because of how some things are playing out. The Jazz getting out there and running. You're getting lobs to the rim. You're getting John Collins parading down the paint in the fast break opportunity. A, a pass, a drop off to Walker Kessler for a dunk. Lowry marketing the same thing. Collins Sexton driving to the basket. Jordan Clarkson, we can keep going on and on and on uh, with these names. That's just the type of night it was. And when you scored on so easily and not having that resistance on the back end where Joel Embiid is not there, mentioning Mo Bamba and Paul Reed. Yeah, you, you're probably gonna start. You know, oh man, you know, a little, you know, a little frustration, a little take foul here, a little, little frustration foul here on, on, on uh, the opponent because of how things are playing out. And that's what you saw a lot of. They get scored on bang. They get scored on again. They missed the shot on the other end. They feel like they should have made it. They feel like they should have gotten a foul call. Right. Now the break is going the other way. They're not as interested because they're still ticked off about what didn't happen the other way.
1: Yeah, and you're seeing a little more complaining from Maxi than maybe he was earlier on in the season. I do think he's getting a little bit frustrated. He's shooting just 26.4% from three over his last seven games, including tonight. That's not going to get it done. You expect there will be ups and downs throughout the course of a season. Maybe he's getting a little bit tired from the workload, uh, both in minutes and an offensive usage. Uh, he's overall on a season just shooting 49 of 163, 30.1% on pull-up threes. You'd like to see that number come up. I think it was higher than that in the past. Uh, but I think you're starting to see a lot of that, you know, in these games where Joel Embiid is out. It's just a lot for him to try to run the entire offense for 48 minutes like that. We've seen him have a lot of success in lineups without Embiid when Embiid is on the floor in other parts of the game, like he can do it for spurts for four or five minutes at a time, but trying to do it for an entire 48. He's just really struggled that so far this year. I don't necessarily blame him per se. Like I said, he's 23 first time sort of in this role as a primary lead guard uh, and first time asked to carry an offense for 48 minutes in these rare games, not rare games, in these games when Joel Embiid is out. And also like, it's not like they have then a surplus of talent where there are other players who can step up and, you know, naturally like you're asking players like Kelly Oubre to step up who he had four assists tonight. I'm pretty sure that was a season high. I think it's close. I think his career high is five assists. He's not a natural playmaker. Marcus Morris is taking a a lot of shots. He's not a natural playmaker. The guys you are asking to step up into larger roles aren't really creating for other players on the team. And it's just a lot on Tyrese Maxey's shoulders. And I think this is one instance. And again, we've mentioned this a couple of times now where, yeah, even when that, the, the Sixers defense was struggling Throughout, I think there was a 13 game stretch where they were one of the five worst defenses in the league. Even during that point, it felt like they probably need to target an offensive player more than do a defensive player because it just seems like when things are going, they have just enough in terms of creators. But you take anything away, whether that's Embiid or Maxi having an off night, and they just don't have enough. And I think today was another example of that.
0: They missed Tobias Harris tonight.
1: Certainly, missed, we, certainly missed a good version of Tobias yes, Harris. You never yes. know which version, version is going to show up on any night. The version of yeah.
0: starting the game. Right. And seeing where it goes because starting the game, we're like, okay, it's Maxie and Harris, and then Ubre and everyone else will, will chip in. You miss Melton for the same, very same reason. And we're talking about this because, of course, Joel and B being out. So we've seen it before. We've also seen them win games where they were without the big fella, but those two really stepping up and yep. doing what they do. And that's where you do miss, miss Harris tonight. Does it change anything, though, when we talk about it? And then we'll get to a few other things. Does it change anything whatsoever? When we've discussed, myself, you, Kyle, all the people watching and, of course, listening, that we talk about being the second star and maybe what that might mean in the spring when it comes to those meaningful games in those series. We've said it, that it doesn't change when he has a bad game how we feel watching this tonight, second night, where he didn't play all that great, where does that change anything for you?
1: No, I still think he is going to be your second quote unquote star. I think that's in part because the players who would come in and theoretically could challenge him for that are so imperfect that you're not going to bet on them uh, and, and make that kind of commitment and take the ball out of Maxie's hands. Like it's not like it's like Paul George is out there about to be traded. Like you can't bring him in to be your second star. Uh, and when we start talking, like I said, when we start talking about the names, uh, I don't trust them enough to take the ball out of Maxi's hands and give them a, a larger role than Tyrese but also because I do think that he is a very good fit next to Joel Embiid as that second star. Yep. Uh, I, I think the, the, their games have so much synergy between them that that is sort of like the basis you want to build your team upon. You just need a few more options to either run a little bit of action, a primary action when when one of those is either out of the lineup or has, having an off night. Uh, that can also then complement off, off of those two. Uh, I think you need more talent. I think you need more initiators. I think you need more playmakers, but I don't think you need to take Tyrese Maxey out of this role.
0: I agree with you uh, 100%. By the way, I'm looking at Julian C. here in the chat, and he says, Miss Tobias Harris with uh, three laughing emojis, laughing, crying emojis. See, Julian, you didn't let us finish. We said the, the guy to start the game, see where it goes,
1: I mean, look, and if but- it's
0: the good one... You missed the good one. If it's, it's al- the bad one, yeah. then we know what happened. It's
1: also a game where you're playing Marcus Morris 28 minutes and Mo Bamba, KJ Martin Come 17 on. minutes. Like as down as you can be on Tobias Harris, you would rather have him playing than KJ yes. Martin. Yes. It's not, you know. Absolutely. Be um, real here.
0: I wanna <laughs> wanna to get to a couple of super chats that we do have here. Uh first let's start with uh Bernard saying, uh Philly fans are too much. And B keeps his streak alive in a blowout loss. Maxi is tired. The roster is just not good enough. He's drained, end quote.
1: I think there's a chance that's true, especially when you talk about a player like Maxi who has so much of his offense predicated on two things, burst to the rim yep. and step back threes. Well, when your legs are tired, both of those are tougher. And you saw Maxi. not only did he make you know miss seven of his eight threes, but he had a couple of layups that he missed. He had a couple of those uh, sort of like sweep-through dribble moves that he lost control of the ball through. It just looked like he was playing a little bit tired, a little bit out of focus. I do worry a little bit about, like I said, both his minutes and the offensive workload that he has asked on every night, but especially on nights without Embiid. Nick Nurse is historically a player stars as much as possible guy, a player starters as much as possible guy. I do worry that that might have a cumulative effect over the course of the season, or your stars just might not be fully fresh at times. And maybe Maxi could use a little bit of a, you know, you don't ever want to root for an injury, but like if you had a, might need to miss a week or something here, it might actually do them a little bit of good.
0: Yeah. And look, that's why we talked about with the Atlanta game on Wednesday, they have Sunday, Monday and Tuesday travel day being on Tuesday, but they have a day off and yeah. that's, that's, they have a couple of days off. So we'll see about the practice schedule for Monday, uh, for Sunday and Monday. We'll see if they give them off tomorrow uh, Allow them, especially coming off the second night of a back-to-back, we'll see how things go when they get back at it next week uh, against the against the Atlanta Hawks. Two games next week, by the way, the Hawks and the Kings on Friday back here in Philadelphia. So good team on Friday, uh, below average team against the Atlanta Hawks, but you want to see them get back on track against a, a team there where they need to get right in that one. Sticking on that point made by Bernard, he may- mixed in the point because a lot of people talked about it there in the chat, Uh, of Embiid coming back in the game last night you and Kyle both mentioned it last night we're talking about him coming in in a 30 point loss you know coming back in the game just to make sure that he continued the streak of whatever it is now 15 and 10 you know 30 and 10 15 16 games whatever it might be because it just didn't matter you're not feeling well with the knee yes things can flare up overnight but knowing that you do have a second item of back to back, there's a chance that you could play. It, the optics don't really look all that good with him coming back in last night. And then, as you said, a late scratch.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, just I just don't. I, I, I don't think necessarily that because when he bumped knees with Randall, that was well before then in that game. Uh, it's not like it happened after he was stat hunting. Mm-hmm. And I think he probably would have had the soreness, regardless if he played that extra 30 minutes or a minute to get those stats. Um, I don't necessarily think that inflamed it or caused it, but it is a bad look. It was a decision where it's just it was made for the wrong reasons. I'm not going to harp on it maybe as much as, uh, I I know Rich was going off on it on Twitter last night. Kyle was going off on it a little bit. It doesn't bother me as much because I think it's mostly just a bad look. Like I said, I don't think it's a cause of either the injury or the injury or the, uh, severity of the injury. That's the word I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's certainly a bad look.
0: Yeah, definitely a bad look uh, for a lot of people there, uh, for them. Looking at Davon also with a super chat in here. Um, a little bit of Batum there. Maxie has a great midi, needs to use it. Well, we don't see it often. A lot of times we talk about it, playing that intermediate game when he has it. And, when we speak about, look, mid-range, as much as analytics is big in today's game, getting to the rim, shooting threes, mid-range is still a part of the game. And if well, he has... And especially,
1: a- especially for your stars. Like, even yeah. even the, the analytically inclined GMs and coaches don't try to tell Kevin Durant or Joel Embiid not to shoot mid-range no. jumpers. Uh, it is a part of the, of the shot diet for the high-usage stars who have to facilitate an offense. And at this point, Tyrese Maxey falls into that bucket. Um, yeah, I, I think, like, I think Darryl Moore would be fine if Tyrus Maxey shot mm-hmm. an extra mid-ranger or two over the course of the game. It's
0: just, a, it's just the, the flow of the game, how they're playing. If they're overplaying you, you get them backpedaling a little bit and you feel like you have the control. The offensive player typically has the more control because of the decision-making of what you're about to do versus what the defense thinks that you're going to do. You can pull up and hit a mid-range jumper, especially when you're struggling and you don't have the shots falling take that mid-range jumper. Knock down a couple of those where, number one, you see the ball going through the hoop, and then number two, they're going to have to play you even a little bit differently than what they already were by overplaying. Just because you knocked down a couple of shots and they have to make sure that they don't allow that to happen, you can then adjust counter with the drive and finish to the basket. So that's something that you would have liked to see a little bit more from Maxi tonight, but... We've seen it before. We've seen him uh, adjust to that when he had it rolling. When he's struggling, he needs to do that too to maybe get himself going a little bit, get him some easier shots and get into a pretty solid rhythm. All right, let's get on the defensive side because we talked about, and we can get to Kelly Oubre, Paul Reed playing good offensively, Pat Bev too. You already mentioned Marcus Mars. That's what it is. man. Man. Derek and I could get to the paint today, <laughs> and I'm playing still with a bad Achilles because goodness gracious, yes. Ah, uh, Joel Embiid is not there. That has nothing to do with the point of attack on the defensive end when you're at the top, defending your man in front of you, knowing yep. that the big guy is not back there. And then when they do get there, no resistance whatsoever defensively from Mobamba and Paul Reed. Nope. And it's worse, Derek, with Paul, uh, with uh, Mo Bamba. Sorry, Paul, I didn't mean that.
1: Uh, I mean, it's a little bit worse with Paul because I have actual expectations for Paul. And I think I defended Paul at various points throughout the course of the season. He has really disappointed me over the last couple of weeks. I know he had a pretty good stat line tonight. A lot of those shots were on shots that I didn't necessarily like. Um, he made a bunch of You know, mid range jumpers. He had one turnaround fadeaway jumper that I was pulling my hair out and it went in. That's fine. Shot clock was
0: winding down. He had to shoot. shoot Sure,
1: fine. But he was lining up that turnaround (laughs) for about five seconds in that shot clock. He's part of the reason the shot clock was winding down. He is doing a little too much offensively. And tonight, especially, he was caught in no man's land on that pick and roll. He was. There were a number of lobs. Look, Collins is tough, but it felt like every time in the first three quarters, sixes were getting close, there was a lob to John Collins that somebody else lost lost track of him. I thought he struggled, and to your point, he disappoints me more because I have actual expectations and hope for Paul Reed to at least be able to fill a 10-minute-per-game-off-the-bench role. I have no such delusions about Mobamba, and tonight showed why, because he was dreadful at the one thing he is supposed to be good at. The one, No, 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 reason. two things.
0: Let me start with the okay, one, ahead, and then go ahead, you go with the go two. He's tall. He is tall. Then you go with the two.
1: Well, he's supposed to protect the rim because he's tall. Exactly. He didn't protect the rim at all. The Jazz on the night shot thirty of thirty-four at the rim. Think, listen
0: to him again, folks.
1: Both of those, thirty for thirty-four. Both of those numbers are atrocious. The fact they got thirty-four shots at the rim is bad. The fact they made thirty of them is obviously bad. Some of that comes down to transition defense. Um, like you said, if you get out on the break, those shots tend to be at the rim, and the Sixers let them out on the break and early offense pretty much at will. But even in the half court. Mo Bamba didn't dissuade a single shot throughout the course of the night and you are seven feet and and tall and theoretically, at least vertically, you have a little bit of explosiveness even if laterally you don't. He didn't affect a single shot. And for him to be out of position as frequently as he is, for his timing to be off on those contests, it is maddening.
0: Folks, 72 points at the rim, or in the paint, sorry, against the Sixers tonight. Uh, with Reed and and Bamba as the, the the two primary big men getting the minutes tonight. Mo Bamba played uh, on the evening 16-57, just under 17 minutes uh, tonight. He did register one block shot. I don't even remember it because all I do remember is them parading to the paint yep. and finishing. And I don't even mean let me get a teardrop here let me run this floater, let me Eurostep to try to make sure I, I, I get by Mobama Mo to get this shot off. No, they were literally getting there, no fear at all, finishing at the rim for a layup, like a layup, literal layup line. You know how you're in your layup line and you're playing folks and you're out there, Let's run a little layup line here. They run a little layup line and it's like, ah, oh, let me just go up here, boom, little easy one. Let me just get into a good feel. Let me get into a good feel. I'm Alex Rodriguez, Yeah, good feel. All night, just laying him up (laughs) with no resistance, no fear that he was even going to block or challenge. I saw one with Colin Sexton. He didn't even go body for body. He thought he was going to be there, but didn't care and didn't adjust how he was going to try to attempt a layup. He just laid it up, and it was that all evening long. So, Derek, I, I get it because we both have more expectations. Paul Reed is a backup big man to Joel Embiid, but Mo Bamba, when you're trying to earn minutes where well, you're trying to hang on by a thread to your NBA life and you get this gift of playing these few games that he has played, no. four in which Embiid missed in a row, he played minutes, tonight, no Embiid, late scratch and not, those are those games where you look at players and, and they say, I'm going to try to take advantage of this opportunity that's given to me. Paul Reed might get in foul trouble, he might have a tough night overall, whatever it might be, you're out there to do something and you see it happening Block their shot. Where's your rotation to get yeah. there and pin the stuff on the glass? Send it to the seventh row to make them think about attempting to come into your paint, your house, to finish at the rim. I know it's a backup player we're talking about, but guess what, folks? 72 points in the paint and 30 for 34 from the rim should not happen in an NBA game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was embarrassing. Should not. Unfortunately, we used embarrassing as yesterday's thumbnail, but it yeah. would have applied here with their...
0: Well, tonight uh, they just got tuned up defense, by the Jazz. Yeah, there, you, yeah. Know, you just put that two and two together. They got tuned up. Can we go to the other side of Mo Bamba? Sure. Because you, you saw it, I did. And as I was looking at your tweets later on, we were on the same page, man. <laughs> Pat Bev, yeah. Mo Bamba, please <laughs> tell the people what we're talking about.
1: I mean, there was just two possessions there in the second quarter. Two in a row. Where Patrick Beverly was very visibly frustrated at Mo because he wasn't doing what Pat Beverly wanted him to do. Uh, he Beverly wanted a screen, and he called him up twice. First time he called him up, um, you know, pointed at him, told him to come up, uh, and Mo took so long that he just said screw it, and he rejected the screen and went to his left. The second one was even funnier though because when Bamba didn't come up to set the screen, <laughs> Patrick Beverly was like jumping up and down <laughs> while mid dribble because he was so frustrated at Mo Bamba. They went down to the other end, talked about it, and Bamba was out of the game right after that. It's just, you've got to, like, set a screen and roll the basket. Your role on offense shouldn't be all that difficult to understand. That's what you do. And to your point, this is a guy who's a former number six pick in the draft has a chance to come out and play 20 minutes in a game.
0: Has had big games in the NBA, folks. You've
1: you've got to come out and be ready to go. Like, I understand it was a late scratch, but it's not like nobody knew that Joel Embiid hurt his knee the night before. Like, you knew this was a chance for him to be completely unprepared for the moment. It's not surprising, because I didn't have any expectations. I mean, Kyle and I were talking about it before the season, back when you were on your vacation, that we thought there was a chance Bamba could be cut. He was playing that poorly in the preseason. So again, it's not surprising, but it is disappointing.
0: Can I add something to the two possessions there that Derek is talking about? He was
1: jumping up and down. It was
0: hysterical. He was jumping up and down because he's like, and then this is for the people watching. If you listen on the podcast later, you can't see me, but you know how, you know how you forget to do something and someone reminds you and you turn around and look like,
1: oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It was like the other, the other day when, when, when you weren't on the show, Yeah, I had to host. And you were like, and Bree's doing like the the countdown to get a start, and I'm like, oh shoot, that's my line. I got to yeah. do this now. Yeah, yeah.
0: Mo Bamba did that yeah. tonight. He literally said, "Oh," and pointed at Pat Bev, and then ran and set the screen. Yep. And yep. and it was it was hilarious because it was bad. So
1: next time I want to it was bad when I'm hosting. I want to just ignore it and see if like Bree will start jumping up and down on the table <laughs> to get my attention.
0: It was it was bad, man. It it, it really was. So. Uh, we know, again, it's, what, game number 34 on the season, so, but there were just so many, you try not to laugh and be frustrated about what happened, because we understand things in the NBA, like we talked about last night, against a better team, but a team that had to travel from Boston, got rocked by 30 last night, you're still better than them, we think, you're just, your coach is better than their, even you know, I think we both like uh, Will Hardy, but... Still, you're, yeah. supposed to, you're supposed to be more competitive against that team. And to have that much going on, going wrong, when you're doing other things right, like protecting the basketball and getting 104 shots up, 24 yep. more than your opponent, we expected a better outcome in this one. Even if they lost and we came here, we sat down, all right, losing three guys are your of your starters in your rotation and all. But still, just the effort uh, tonight was rough.
1: One other thing while we're sort of on the, the center discussion, Paul Reed, will you roll to the freaking basket, please? Whenever he picks and pops, it's just wasted effort. Your only gravity is as a roller. Your only utility on offense is as a roll man. At some point over the summer, he got it in his head. Hey, I can be a pick and pop pig. I can make threes. I can make mid-range jumpers. No, roll to the basket, put pressure on the rim, open up driving lanes for Tyrese Maxey, and if they double up on him, you'll get the ball and a chance to score. You are not a short roll guy. You're not a pick and pop guy. They need to simplify him on offense, get him doing what he can do well, and get him in a spot where he can actually make somewhat of an impact on that end. Because right now, I don't know, I know he ended up with what, 12 points or something like that. Yeah. He needs to be rolling the basket. He I'm was okay of offensively.
0: Opponent. He could have been better if as
1: Derek no, said, I'm, I'm even more if he talking was just as a, a year-long trend. Yes. And as a way, again, to try to create actual space for the guys who actually want taking that shot. Because when he's popping like this. They're sending two to the ball. They're getting the ball out of Tyrese Maxey's hands. Yeah, maybe he'll have one game like tonight where he'll actually make those mid-range jumpers, but you want him to be opening up the floor for Tyrese Maxey. He's not doing that right now.
0: No, no, not, not at all, man. Uh, not at all. A lot of frustrated people there in, in the in the chat. An opportunity, as we talked about last night, Kyle exiting his uh, conversation with us from the arena. He said an opportunity for the people to scout Lowry Markin in tonight. He was fantastic um, because, well, the Sixers allowed him to, but he's also talented. Game high, 33, 12 of 19, 5 for 9 from beyond, 13 rebounds. So, folks, we've seen you in the chat talking about Lowry marketing. We've seen you on Twitter reaching out to us. We got Jamie checking this. Not not Jamie Lynch. Uh, Jamie uh, on Twitter checking this, hitting us up about Lowry marketing. We agree. If there was an option and if there was a number one target, he's it that would fit perfectly in this lineup next to Embiid and Maxi, and presumably maybe a few others that did not go in a deal to Utah. But what we all have to realize, too, is this. You saw it. We saw it. Danny Ainge knows it. We're talking about an all-star, first-time all-star from a year ago. He's going to ask for a boatload. Oh, yeah. To, to for you to acquire that guy?
1: I mean, how much should he get for Rudy Gobert? Like, what, do you think he's going to give Five? Larry Markkinen away for cheap? Uh, no, it, it is going to be tough. And I don't know. Like, it seems like there's some people who think that the Sixers need to be talked into it or that we need to, like, campaign for it. Like, everyone understands that Larry Markkinen would be a really good get and one of the few guys um, who you could put next to Embiid and, and Maxi who could sort of be that can you imagine just having Tyrese, like let's say you send Embiid to the bench and you're running a Maxi Markkinen pick and roll and the space that Maxi would have or the open shot that Markkinen would have, we all understand the fit. He's one of those guys that could that either be, play alongside Embiid and Maxi or alongside Embiid or alongside Maxi and he could fit in all of those lineups. I think everybody is understanding of that, but I just, I again, first of all, he's not on the market as of now. No, And if he is, I just can't see how like a team like the Thunder wouldn't outbid the Sixers. They just have so many assets and he, he he's a kind of guy he's kind of in terms of stars, he's as plug and play as I don't say anyone in the league, but he's certainly a very plug and playable star.
0: And part of the reason why he was traded was because that was still questionable. That was still up in the air coming from Cleveland to uh, Utah in that deal that that they made. And the guy has turned out to be again first-time All Star. If they were, if he was still lighting it up in the same way that he did a year ago, probably have a better chance of making a second consecutive All Star team. I don't see with everything going on there in the West that he would make it this year. But man, the guy is really good. And when you talk about that pick and roll, the prospects of a pick and roll of Maxi and Lowry, Markin, and that's what I know a lot of people want to see right now with Tobias Harris being that role, that 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 pick and pop type of partner with Tyrese Maxey, but we're just talking about an upgraded, supersized type of guy there at that four spot when it comes to him stretching the floor, certainly not afraid to put the ball on the floor. He will dunk on you when he has it really gone, a full head of steam, getting to the basket. He will do all of those things. That's how good that player is. And to Derek's point, when you look at someone like the the, uh, Oklahoma City Thunder that can throw, oh, let me just throw in Lou Dort because now we can make up for it Right, the absence of Lou Dort because we have Chet Holmgren and Lowry Markin in there, and then some others in that lineup. The Oklahoma City Thunder are, and other contenders will probably have more to toss their way than the Seventy Six. Yeah, I mean, I
1: will say, like, Unfortunately. If, you, if you start comparing the Sixers to like, there, there are some teams like the Knicks. Knicks have three picks in this upcoming draft, but they're not high quality picks. Mm-hmm. The Sixers at least have two picks. Uh, the Clippers pick in the future that's unprotected, and their own pick pretty far in the future that can be high value picks. So I do think the Sixers like at points we can look at just draft picks. And I think at a little overly fixated on the number, I think the quality of it matters a little bit too. And the Sixers, like I said, do have two of them that could be decently high quality, but the thunder just have everything. Yeah. They everything. Have everything. I think we have uh, Kyle checking in here from the Wells Fargo centers. We will go to Kyle now. How you doing, Kyle?
2: Well guys, I forgot one of my plugs for my microphone, wow. so I'm having about as good of a Saturday night as the 76ers did out on that floor, but I'm sure you guys are embracing the marketing and Hive over there. Just wanted to say that any any minute we spent talking about them on this podcast was worth it for that performance <laughs> right there.
0: Sure. And, and people backing it up in the chat there too, Kyle. That's why we brought it up, because if I how good he was. We mentioned in you speaking about it last night before you signed off here on the post-game show. And yeah, he he stood there and helped lead that charge against his team tonight, the shorthanded Sixers.
2: Yeah, and listen, I'm sure I heard some of you guys talking about it just now, but that's exactly why he's not gettable for the Sixers, right? Like he's not actually available or available, quote unquote, right now. And even if he was, the amount of picks and, and other things it would take to get him here, they they just don't have. Like, he he can do basically anything you would need a role player or high-level role player, I should say, to do offensively. The three-point shooting, he was a role man, he was a cutter, he was an offensive rebounder, like, just master class of a game from him. So, all the people who are dying to trade for him, I'm sure that was some red meat for, for them tonight.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we're all in agreement. Unfortunately, he's not available. And I don't think the Sixers have enough to get him if he is, so I'm surprised we... um, like It seems like there's like a movement almost to like make people aware that he'd be a good fit. No, we all, we all get it. We all get it. We all get it. So, Jazz shot 30 of 34 at the rim. Your thoughts?
2: Well, it, it wasn't their best defensive performance, <laughs> I would say that. Uh, I, I think... Uh, tell me if you guys agree with this. I think the problem is less like this guy or this individual player was bad or they are bad at the rim than they just have felt a lot more disconnected the last two nights. And maybe you can chalk that up to, like, I think you've seen more of the what is Kelly Oubre doing type defense over the yeah. last couple of games. But I think spotlighting just him – Let's other people off the hook I think you've seen you know Tyrese Maxey has struggled with some size on switches Utah did a good job of getting some of their guys like you know Walker Kessler I feel like had a several possessions tonight where he's coming in on a cut and as a seven foot big man he's being guarded by a much smaller player he's in a position where a much smaller player has to help and so they were able to the game, the matchups in a way that really punished the Sixers for playing small. They actively chose to play small for, you know, a brief stretch. And that's when the game Didn't started work. to get away from yep. them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, I don't know that they have a, a small ball group that I trust yet. Now they've gone to Marcus Morris in that small ball group so often that I, I wonder, if it just comes back to when you're playing him as a nominal center, like what are we doing here? I, it, it, it has worked for him in the past when he's surrounded by like four other <laughs> six, eight wings, like when he's playing with Kawhi and Paul George and guys like that. And they just, they can't put that type of lineup on the floor. So that didn't help them either. But yeah, I just, the the lack of connectivity on defense is what I think really kills me. And I think you saw that in the Knicks game too. Like there were stretches where Joel and Kelly are looking at each other like the hell are you doing there or why aren't you there? That's the stuff you don't want to see. So hopefully uh, Nick said after uh, he was asked what they're going to do with the three days off. And he said something to the effect of we're going to have a physical practice on Monday. So he's clearly not pleased with how they've played over the last two nights, regardless of the absences.
0: Yeah. And, and we did talk about, as you mentioned Derek mentioned the 30 to 34 at the rim, 72 points in the paint of their 120, which is insane. But it was the point of attack defensively where you know your big guy's not back there. Yes, it is the second night of a back-to-back, but part of you being in this game tonight, you're going to have to give a little bit more on the defensive end. And then when they did get by, neither of their big men, Reed or Bamba, (laughs) uh, did anything to prevent the Utah Jazz from being fearful of trying to attempt something in the paint.
2: Yeah, and look, some of it you would say that the offense just isn't good enough either, right? Like when you're scoring more and the other team's pulling it out of their basket and you can get back and get set, it's a lot easier to get back and defend even if you are shorthanded, even if your personnel Is suboptimal. Like I, I don't remember. I don't know off the top of my head what the actual numbers ended up as, but even with the Jazz turning the ball over, I think it was like seventeen times. Fast break points were close to even, which that should be borderline impossible with how much Utah turned the ball over. They turned it
0: over twenty-four times tonight.
2: Oh, so much more than I thought it was in the high teens. So they turned over twenty-four times, and then the fast break points are neck and neck for most of that game. So that actually ended up with
1: more 29 or 25 to 19 Sixers won with 24 more shots.
2: Yeah. So that's, (laughs) it's not like how Derek talks with rebounding, right? When you can get a lot of rebounds, but it might be because there's a lot of missed shots. And, And so it's disappointing in the other direction for the Sixers to have been ice cold from three they give up all these long rebounds, long runouts. And then they, they, turn, they did a great job turning Utah over. Some of those are self-inflicted wounds from Utah. But then you have to capitalize on those, right? You got to score. You got to get fouled. You got to get threes. And I didn't think they did that well at all tonight.
0: Uh, for me, final one, um, Tyrese Maxey, second night of a back-to-back. And we discussed a little bit about how maybe he looks a little bit fatigued. These three days off of gameplay uh, might help him here a little bit. What are, what are you now looking at the Knicks game and now the Jazz game and back-to-back? How do you feel about Maxie in terms of his uh, potential fatigue, maybe a little bit tired, especially tonight being the number one option?
2: Yeah, honestly, I think tonight was more about they threw some goofy stuff at him. Like Utah threw a box and one at him at least in the first half. I don't remember if it that came out in the second half. And I, I talked to him about it after the game. He said, I don't, I don't. literally might have never faced a box-in-one defense in the entirety of his basketball career. And I don't think they dealt well with that early. I think this was, and I wrote this in the recap, I think this is an example of he has to bring a different mentality to a game without Joel, where when you play with Joel, there's a lot of good benefits to that. One of those being, if he's in more of that passive playmaking, I'm going to set guys up mode that, We appreciate that, you know, the high assist, low turnover games that he puts up, but it doesn't matter if he's only got, you know, eight, ten points at halftime because Joel's got 22 or Joel's got 20 or whatever it is. When you're the lead guy and, you know, you're down Tobias, you're down Melton, important guys in your rotation are out. You got to be hunting your (laughs) shot, something fierce and, you know, credit to Utah for Getting him out of his comfort zone, forcing the ball out of his hands. I did think there were some, as well as Patrick Beverly, I thought played tonight. I think they probably ran the offense through him mm-hmm. a little too much. Like there was a lot of tap as a true point stuff where they're running Tyrese off of screens. And I, I, I don't really get that diminishing returns with that, obviously. So you see some of the fatigue, but I also see, you know, Tyrese has got to raise his level for a game like this and frankly him and the coaching staff and his teammates have to respond better when he's the number one guy and some gadget defenses get thrown at him.
1: I guess just following up on that and I agree with you. There was a lot more two point guard uh, lineups than I expected, especially when, you know, Dunn was top locking so effectively and they're playing the box in one and try to keep the ball away from them. Um, I thought they leaned on that and looked, Like I said, Pat Bev had a little more juice than almost anyone else on the court, so I understand trying to get more, but I thought they leaned in maybe a bit too much. Over his last seven games, Maxi is shooting 26% from three. Just sort of like piggybacking on Devon's question, do you have any kind of longer-term concerns about his workload, minutes, usage, anything like that?
2: No, because I would say, I mean, you correct me if you think I'm wrong, I think he's gone through swoons basically every year, even after he's made this leap as a shooter. I I think the best example of that is probably the first, you know, abbreviated Harden season. he was shooting pretty poorly for a while prior to Harden arriving. And then Harden came and he's put in more of that pure catch and shoot role for more often. And, you know, he shot amazing until the end of that season. And so I think some of it comes down to shot the shot type he's on. Like it's similar to Harden where if the diet of your shots is predominantly off the dribble, step back threes, sidestep threes, your shot making will be volatile. Like you can be a great shot maker, you could be Steph Curry for that matter. There are just going to be some nights where you don't have it, or some weeks at a time where you don't have it. Uh, so you know maybe that's some of why they're trying to run him off the ball tonight. Like hey, use him as a a movement shooter or a catch and shoot guy, and less as a you know, pull-up guy, guy running the offense, doing all that. I think there's probably some value to that. It also makes you think about, hey, maybe they really do need a a strong ball handler brought in at the the deadline, whatever that looks like, just to be able to use Tyrese in these different ways. Because we talk about it all the time. I think the value is in his offensive versatility. So I I think either way, he's going to bounce back. Like, even in this cold stretch, I think he's had some games where he's like – fifty percent 55 percent from three those type of nights so uh, I think it'll come but it's it's gonna be there will be some peaks and valleys for sure
1: to your point he is shooting 52 percent on no dribble threes and 30.1 percent on pull-up threes. Definitely a tough shot to All right, that's all I have uh, for you. I'll let you get out of here quick, pretty quick, early.
0: Folks, make sure you go read Kyle at allphly.com. To check out the recap. Go back and uh, check it out. Say some, you know, throw, Don't throw anything because you're frustrated about these two losses. They'll be fine. They'll get back at it next week.
1: As he mentioned on Twitter, he had to spend two and a half hours watching that game. His self-worth is built around you reading that column. So please, <laughs> go, please go check it out. And he got the scout Larry yeah.
2: marketing. Yeah. yeah, so it was yeah, all good. Listen, guys, please, please, I have to feed my family. No, I'm just kidding. All right, everybody get home safe tonight, guys. I'll talk you to you too, later. You too,
0: man. Be you careful too. out there. Thanks, Kyle. We'll talk to you on Monday, 2.30 for us on Monday for a full show. I'll be back for the full show, Derek. Oh,
1: you're even showing up during the day now.
0: Hey, man. There you go. You know, I don't only show up at night. <laughs> uh, I'll be here during the day. Uh, but tough back-to-back, of course, guys and gals, six fans out there. Tough one for sure, but this is a long season and we know that we all know that regardless of how frustrated we are in the moment of how we watch it and how we recap things and and reevaluate them they're they're a good team so we know that and uh, we'll talk about quite a few things who knows there'll be another name that may pop up as far as a rumor mill goes by by Monday as we as we get back together so uh, we appreciate everybody for checking in both Friday and tonight uh, on the second night of a back-to-back. Be careful out there if you are, in fact, driving in this rain because it is nasty.
1: It is. It is. I think it's, at least it warmed up throughout the course of the day, so I hope the roads will be fine when we head out of here, but it is not great.
0: Absolutely. Yet. So a lot of people to thank, of course. I'm still in here, so I'll start it off. Okay. All right, let's get to Action. Neil, yeah. Jake, Dom, Stewart, Bernard, uh Valhos in here as well. Dom, Dominic, David, Mike D., Uh, Al, the two-minute morning, he says, Devon, please save me from these people in this chat. My bad. I'm just seeing it, Al. I didn't see it. I apologize. Everybody, lay off, Al. It's a Saturday night. It's a tough night for everybody. It's all good. We'll get back at it. Furious in here. Mr. Rudy Poo, back with us, hanging out in the chat. What's up, Rudy Poo? Let go my ego. (laughs) In here, Biggie, 545, Julian, Walter, Dennis, Brett, Junie, Kane, Marshawn Lynch of Martian Lynch, Liam, Brian Knight. We always appreciate Brian checking in Bernard on the super chat. Davon, AKA schoolboy beats and so many others checking in with us here this evening. We really appreciate it. We hope that you have a great rest of your weekend. Any prediction on the birds tomorrow, Derek? Do they oh. get the two seed or the five seed?
1: <laughs> no. As long as I keep my expectations low, they can't disappoint me.
0: Well, five seed it is. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> Bree, we appreciate it as always. Thank you, everybody. We appreciate Cal for checking in. Derek, as always, man, it's been fun.
1: Yeah, it's been a blast. Great to have you back. I give you a lot of grief, but it's truly great to have you back. Devon. Thank I you, man. You.
0: Always good to be with you. And we'll be back on Monday, 2.30, right here on the PHLY Sixes podcast. Good night.